Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. That time of the week again, the Rugby League rant, fifth and last. Put on your headgear, chuck in your mouth guard and get ready for an hour of nothing but NRL talk. And after a shortened round, we are heading into game two of origin, New South Wales leading the series 1-0 after a convincing win heading into game two at home. It's all to play for, a chance to finish things off finally uh, and get the job done, but a tough task, lots of changes, a better side this time by Queensland and an in-depth preview later on in the show, as you probably have figured out by now, Lewis Solo. To kick things off, Brock uh, has some training to do tonight with Kaizen, the Rugby League Academy he's involved with. I've done some shift work, so how things are going to work for this week, I am going to do questions, the fan questions solo, have gossip on after, we're going to do the tips and the odds, have a chat about any gossip he has, and the odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com, if you're going to have a bet on the NRL, any sport, make sure you do it with William Hill, and then later on, when Brock gets back, it will be a bit later, but we will do uh, our set of six reviews of the games from the weekends, and obviously a State of Origin preview, the big one, and give you an in-depth look before it kicks off on Wednesday night. But starting things off, uh, any fan questions? Andrew Wales kicks us off here. He says, does Cronk's deal to coach with Melbourne really signal he isn't going to play on with the Sydney team? I was really hoping for a better defensive effort uh, in the Souths and Titans game. That is really season over now. How do they fix it? Because they really can... Attack, but wow, Souths aren't that great, especially without Sam Burgess, and they put 36 points on. Well, mate, I've got to throw it out there. I know there's been a lot of talk about him possibly joining the Sharks um, and Maloney moving out, but let's be honest, the whole point of Maloney not getting the deal or would be leaving uh, is a money thing, and Kronk's going to demand even more money. So I really don't see how that's happening, even though a lot of people are rumouring that Maloney would leave. He's currently on about 500, looking to push closer to 7 to 8. Kronk's going to demand closer to a million, and he's a couple of years older. So that move doesn't make sense. Uh, as a Melbourne fan, it may sound biased, but I don't see him playing for anyone else. So why he hasn't signed that coaching deal, it really wouldn't surprise me. If he takes the coaching deal, does the Fox Sports stuff, and he also has been working with some different businesses while he's been at Melbourne the last few years. So from all those avenues, he could possibly scrape together um, the money that he needs, or oh, he doesn't really need it, but the money that would be missing from not playing anymore and uh, a salary of close to a million dollars. And as far as that game the other night defensively, it wasn't great. The Titans have been poor all year defensively, uh, defensively especially to the middle of the ruck. As far as Souths are concerned, um, you know, uh, I don't really know what to make of Souths at this point in time. They've been very, very flat. They played a Titans side the other night that was missing a lot of players, plus they had three in origin and finished with only... No, they finished with nobody 
on the bench and for South side of things, the attack was a little bit better. They let the reins go a little bit more, less one out, try to push some offloads, shift the football on the back of momentum. But honestly, you can't take a lot out of who they beat and the amount of players they were missing. And Sam Burgess back in, uh, I'm still willing to say that it's the end of the year for Souths and the Titans and they both won't be playing finals football. So hard times for them uh, moving forward. But Souths are starting to try and make some moves roster-wise. Dan Gagai heading there. English will be back next year, but it's going to take a little bit more than that to get things back on track. And the big ones, uh, Adam Reynolds' form, he's been injured, but he's been nowhere near close to the play that he can be, and especially his kicking game, which they rely on so heavily. And the Burgess twins in the front row, they've been so good a couple of years ago, made a massive difference. Now they're just eating up salary cap and they're not doing a job at all, so that hurts. Zach Maitland, game one, it seemed as though the refs had been instructed to keep their whistle in the pocket, which made for a fantastic free-flowing game. Dragons Eels yesterday, also good with only six penalties. Could this work for regular NRL rounds or would the players just keep pushing the limits until it is like it is now? It's painful watching a game with a 1,000 penalties. Well, mate, we all hope that they put the penalty, uh, the whistle away and don't blow the pee out of it for Wednesday, but you'd have to think um, that we're not going to get a similar kind of game. It's not as fast as a deck down here in ANZ in New South Wales. It's wet, it's dewy, it's quite slippery. Uh, you can bet your ass that Queensland are going to try and do a better job in slowing down our middles this time, so I think it might be a bit uglier. Hopefully the whistle stays away, but as far as club games are concerned, they should treat NRL club games like Origin because they are NRL players. It's still an elite level. Um, you know, they, they blow the whistle a fair bit in the 20s, New South Wales Cup and obviously park football, but the higher you move up the train, uh, the freer things should be. The referees should try to be a non-factor in the game. So hopefully game two, we don't see them uh, blow the whistle too much. Mateo says, one, can you please do your Laurie Daly impersonation? Well, yes, I can, Mateo. I can do my Laurie Daly impersonation. He is very keen for the game in New South Wales this week. And he is a big fan of the New South Wales team that he has selected to take on the mighty Maroons. <laughs> and question two, do you think... The way Origin teams take plays in the camp, 19th, 20th minute, etc., is unnecessary and counterproductive. I've noticed that it tends to create a pecking order for who's next in line. Uh, you're right in saying that. You look at Trebojevic, straight back into that utility spot. They had McLean there, DeBellin there, kind of saying that this is the pecking order and Moylan, who's already been there. And you're saying here that form players in the past, like Paul Vaughan, Wade Graham, should be that if you know you're going to break into Origin, it should be coming from players that are playing better than incumbents on the bench rather than taking a spot as an emerging player. Um, I couldn't agree more. The big thing for me, and you mentioned Vaughn again, and a couple of guys on the outside, if DeBellin's been in camp, um, you know, if you've already had McLean, Boyd, these kind of guys, Moylan's already played Origin, let alone been in camp, you should be bringing other guys who are on the fringe to get them to experience it. So Nathan Peets is definitely a long-term hooker now, but in case he got injured, McInnes is the next guy up. So take McInnes into camp. Vaughn is in that pecking order or should be nearby. Take him into camp. Uh, you can talk about a couple other guys that are close to playing Origin around that mark. We should be looking to get them in for a camp, let them experience it, and then move them back out. And if you want to carry an 18th or a 19th on game night, that's fine with me. But as far as the camp is concerned, if you've got a couple of guys on the fringe, you should change it each time and try and get some new guys in to experience the environment. David Boyle. He says he understands the rivalry is an aspect of the state of Origin, but he just doesn't get the media doing such stupid things like essentially declaring a victory after one game. New South Wales did this a few years ago, then lost. Like he said, I get the rivalry, but why should they make themselves look like such idiots? Surely there's a smarter way to go about it and still sell papers. Well, 
Couldn't agree with you more, but nah, mate, that's just the way they drum it up. It's a it's a massive build-up. It's a week and a half. Um, the camps go for so long, they'll write just about absolutely anything. No different to the Tim Glasby story as a former player. Found that completely disgraceful and disrespectful to say that he's a nobody. He's playing in the NRL, so he's definitely not a nobody. If you've played even one game in the NRL, you're not a nobody. Uh, it's hard enough to break in to that elite level. As somebody who played uh, under-20s and that, when you do the development camps, there was about 300 people in the room that day. Out of that, they said there's possibly maybe 20, 25 of you that'll play first grade in some capacity and probably only five of you that'll play more than the average amount of games, which at the time when I was playing was about two seasons and 22 games, which means you're in and out of grade. So uh, stories like that. And and think they write is generally just to keep selling papers. So uh, unfortunately, we just have to deal with that in the lead up to uh, Origin. Robert, uh, he's got here, not Origin related. I understand that this is a massive topic to cover, but what are some tips you can give me to focus on as the under-10 league coach at my school? Simple things to focus on. My boys have made it to the Sydney All Schools Carnival representing the Tarry region. I was handed this as uh, at the start of the year, and I have never done it before. I love the game, watch every game when possible, and understand the differences to the rules for younger grades. Cheers for any advice and top job on the pod, fellas. I look forward to driving uh, to Tuesday morning drive and listen everywhere. Well, mate, instead of explaining... Uh, in here, if you give us an inbox, Robert, uh, me and Brock will be happy to give you some tips on what you should be working on with uh, some under 10 blokes, but probably take a little bit too much time uh, to explain here or talk. So uh, if you want some tips, mate, to send us an inbox on the page and happy to send through a few bits and pieces you can work on with your under 10s. Andrew Wales, he's got again, and go the Blues. If Fafita decides to run hard again, I can't see even with the changes this Queensland team beating them. It will be closer though. Very happy for Wallace that he got off. But wow, the judiciary is really consistently inconsistent. And, mate, that is true. Uh, the Burgess one is what started though. So straight away, you've got some video to walk in there if you're Jared Wallace and say, well, if that one gets off, I should be getting off too. James Hughes, is Gavin Cooper the luckiest man in the world? JT's best man at his wedding and JT is hooking him up with 50K in origin payments. Well, if you want to talk about the origin payments, if he plays two games, it's actually like 60K. And uh, they get superannuation as well. So a lot of people don't know that. Rep games are considered career shortening. So not only do we get a match payment, there's a separate superannuation fund from what I remember that you get a contribution to. I don't know what the percentage is, but it's at least a couple of grand because when they play rep games, it is considered career shortening. Uh, Gavin Cooper's an outstanding footballer. Yeah, he was a bit of a journeyman in his younger days, but he was solid, played a lot of positions. He's been great on that left edge. They're in sync, much like JT was early in his career with Bowen. Not to the exact same level of a fullback and a half, but as far as a back row and a half are concerned, him and Gavin Cooper don't even need to talk. He knows the right lines to run at the right time, where JT needs him to be, and he's always there to back him up. He's in his pocket. The half needs to be looked to his back row to ride shotgun with him at all times, whether that be to help him defensively or that's to go into the line and if things break down, possibly take a bullet for him so JT doesn't have to. So... Uh, he may be the luckiest man in the world that uh, Thurston is the possibility why he got selected, but if he didn't do his job as well as he did and help Jonathan Thurston out, he wouldn't be there as well. So it is a credit to Gavin Cooper. Diego Montoya, he says here, Gus would have forgot more about rugby league than I'll ever know, but I can't help disagree with his view that the NRL needs to increase funds passed on to players and clubs. Participation in league is dwindling. Uh, across the country with more parents putting their kids in soccer or even AFL. Surely NRL has to spend more money on promoting the game at the junior level rather than further lining the pockets of clubs and elite players. Well, with the TV deal going up, 
uh, and all these other bits and pieces. The players are the product, mate, so I agree with him <clears throat> in a sense that uh, players definitely deserve their fair share. My problem is it's always the top end that keeps getting topped up. The bottom end, you know, the minimum wage needs to definitely go up. That needs to be increased, and the squads need to be bigger because at the moment, if we ever have a chance to expand or we want to expand the competition, move to WA, add a team in Queensland or anything like this, the only way for that to happen is to keep quality players here. And at the moment, there's not enough money in the bottom end to encourage guys to hang around or push through. Um, you know, they're leaving way too early. We've got former junior kangaroos and junior reps leaving at age 22, 23 and bailing out to the Super League uh, purely because the money and moving, renting, all the costs associated with going from different teams and moving around is too much. So I think they deserve more. As far as clubs deserving more, uh, I think some clubs who know how to operate themselves correctly don't need the money, um, but they probably do deserve a bit more funding all around. But look at how many clubs are under the governance of the NRL right now, which shows you that some clubs can't be, uh, don't deserve money because they can't spend it right in the first place. They're in control of Newcastle. They've had to give a loan to a couple other clubs. They're in control of the Titans. So I can kind of agree with you on that side of things. And as far as grassroots, they do need to get in there. They do need to promote more. They need to bring all the associations together, Country Rugby League, New South Wales Rugby League, QRL, because at the moment everyone's separate. Everyone's worried about their own backyard. Participation does need to be fixed, and I don't know if anyone saw it, but the Panthers, uh, there was an article a couple of days ago about the program they're doing in uh, Bathurst and out there and developing and hoping to get some sides into regional comps that hopefully end up turning into a team in the future, possibly in the New South Wales Cup or a competition like that. So clubs should be doing that and putting a little bit of focus into taking some football and developing out in those country areas to keep the game there, to have a foothold in those sports and not allow other sports to push out there because I've got former teammates from Canberra, uh, that have told me in particular a couple of blokes from Wagga Wagga. That was a rugby league dominant area. Now there's AFL posts in one of their prominent parks somewhere out there. So that shows the difference. And obviously soccer, they're trying to get a real foothold near. The World Cup when I was younger kind of changed things and turned it. And then in 06, I think, when I was in year 10, was when we went over there and did a really, really good job and lost to Italy or whoever it was in that semifinal. So we're constantly battling with other sports. And I agree we have to do more at the grassroots level. There's no... Uh, no argument for me on that one, Diego. Jay Smith says, hard to come up with any questions after this shitty round, but looking forward to the podcast. No worries, Jay. Glad you enjoy the show, champion. Jack Package. Too many teams in New South Wales who have poor crowd attendance and aren't financially viable. If you are going to leak money, why not relocate, expand and grow the game in WA or another Queensland team? Well, there is a lot of teams in New South Wales, but, mate, it's more they're established. They've been here for long times. You don't want to see Cronulla, like they were talking about before playing in WA or the Tigers or one of these teams, none of them are going to agree to that. The NRL can't make it happen. And as far as expanding into those two places uh, uh, goes, that kind of goes back to my last point. Uh, and I know that wasn't kind of the point you were trying to make here, but expansion can't happen until we have more players of quality in different squads. Like, Look how lopsided the competition is at the moment. The top three or four sides are a lot better than everybody else, and the bottom end is really struggling. And until we fix up the pay on the bottom end and expand top squads, we're not going to be able to keep enough guys that are kind of struggling to crack it up their clubs or developing a bit slower uh, and stop them from moving to Super League or England early enough to be able to expand the comp eventually to have a WA team and definitely what should be a second Brisbane team. They would be the next two spots. But uh, I agree, attendances are down, and the real reason for that is ticket prices. And after some of the prices I've seen more recently, clubs in the NRL need to have a real hard look at themselves. Um, some of the prices are absolutely disgraceful, and even for these short rounds, the prices are still the same considering all the talent that was missing and being financially viable. 
some clubs are poorly run. The NRL has had to mop some of that up. And uh, privatisation, I know it didn't go right with the Tinkler setup, but as far as Souths, Melbourne, a couple other teams, privatisation has worked out pretty good. So I think that's the model of the future if cl- uh, more clubs are going to be uh, a bit more viable. But I agree with you. There is a, a fair few teams in New South Wales that need to get their act together and uh, pull their socks up as far as money is concerned. Daniel Friend, if you could have any Queenslander, if you could give any Queenslander a triple, who would it be? Oh. Well, I'll tell you what, I wouldn't want to fight Dylan Harper, so it's definitely not going to be him, and I wouldn't want to fight Papali either. Uh, but give someone a triple, Cross. I think only because he's the most important player in their team now that he's come back in, it'd be either JT or Smitty. And I'm, I'm a Melbourne man, but they're the two blokes you'd want to give a triple to and try and take him out if there was any possibility to help out the New South Wales side. But, yeah, that's uh, that's a tough one, mate. Peter Dries, Dryzy, why were the Titans players all wearing different socks on the weekend? Well, mate, I'm going to have a guess and say, like, a couple of them. Uh, sometimes they do it as a bit of an advertisement for the blokes uh, and their old junior clubs. So I'm assuming that they're all wearing the junior clubs' uh, socks that they played for coming through the grades. Greg Milburn, the crowd on Friday night was embarrassing. When are they going to look at the right game and the right venue? Well, again, uh, you talk about money before and what I was talking about. Souths, uh, you know, they play at that stadium and they make money every single time. They get paid. There's a profit, the expenses, the catering, the security, all these other things they don't have to take care of because it's not their own ground is why they play at ANZ as much as it's not a good look. And I know a lot of people don't like going there, but uh, from a business perspective, obviously these teams are going to look at you and say, would you rather us take it to a suburban ground or our own home ground, fork out, you know, X amount of money, lose 50 to 100,000 in hosting a game or go to one of those stadiums, not have to worry about attendances, organising food, caterer, security or anything, and they walk away with a couple of hundred grand in the pocket every time. Uh, different sit- uh, difficult situation. I'm not a big fan of ANZ. It's not appealing to me either, but uh, the big stadiums and the fact that they pay the clubs is the real reason why people go there. So unfortunately, it's probably going to continue to happen. Josh Davies, is McGregor versus Mayweather the equivalent of the Kangaroos versus the All Blacks at Union? Mm. Hard to frame that one. I am a combat sports fan, uh, but I think basically if you're going to look at that fight, you can look at it one or two ways. It's going to be an absolute cracker and historic, or it could end up being an absolute flop because, let's face it, McGregor, he's not a boxer. I don't even think he's had an amateur fight. Yes, he's deadly in the uh, MMA world, and if Mayweather walked into that side of things, he'd absolutely murder him, obviously, because there's so many different aspects to MMA. But uh, in boxing, possibly one of the best boxers of all time, Mayweather, especially from this generation, great counter-puncher. No one's been able to hit him. McGregor is fast. He's younger, and he's a southpaw, which uh, you know Mayweather does struggle with. But whether he can get after him in 12 rounds, and that's another thing, the fitness, the pacing, uh, you know, they, they do train hard for the MMA, but he's going to have to probably slow things down and work his way for the 12 rounds. I don't think that'll be an issue, but whether you can hit Floyd or not uh, is another issue. Jordan Palmer, do you reckon the Storm can get through this origin period undefeated? Oh, mate, uh, I'd like to say they could, but I think this weekend against the Roosters, they'll be more likely to rest a couple of players, so I'll probably be tipping that the Roosters get the job done, but they've been very good the last couple of years, and in particular... That, yet that young crop of kids have been working on and having a few Kiwi boys on the side has made a bit of a difference. They're a lot more competitive uh, during this period than they used to be. But, yeah, I don't think they'll be able to get through uh, undefeated. The Fat Sportsman. After his efforts on Friday night, do you reckon Conrad Hurrell could be reborn as a second row or even as a lock? 
Definitely not. Uh, as a centre, he has a good impact when he comes in and helps out in yardage, but his defensive decisions are quite poor and uh, his fitness, there's a completely different type of fitness from playing in the centres uh, as to moving into the back row where he'd make a lot more tackles or even lock. Playing as a lock now, uh, a lot of people, if you look at it, everyone's lock basically uh, plays as a tight forward. It's just an extra front row, maybe with a little bit more ball playing and playing a little bit more minutes, but I don't think the fitness nor the concentration's there for Connie Harrell to go play in the middle. Plenty destructive, but with the amount of brain snaps, errors, and these kind of things, uh, I think the edge is his home. He needs to definitely work on his decision-making as far as defence is concerned. He needs to get that temper in check. Uh, he's a rocks and diamonds player, and the other night he cost his team, I thought, twice with some critical mistakes. Funny as, mate, says Queensland depth looks pretty thin going forward after this series. Can you name five players that aren't uh, that will trouble New South Wales in the future that aren't current origin players? Well, I think one... Is Corey Norman. Uh, Milford got put in, but I think he has to be in there. That's definitely one that I think will be part of things in the future. Jake Friend, if you want to talk about him moving into the spine spot, uh, that's the main thing. They've got some depth in the spine. It was more the forwards, mate, that I was looking at when I was talking the other week with Brock. When you look, uh, Felice Cafusi hasn't played this time around. Hess Wallace, these kind of guys you look at. But when you move past that and actually look who they've got uh, in the forward stocks coming through, Ethan Lowe's young enough to play Origin, but he's still 26-27, and by the time he gets his opportunity, there may only be a couple of years left. Uh, Brent Lawrence in the front row stocks there. He's already past 30. Um, people were talking about Jaden Sewer at the Broncos, Keegan Hipgrave, a lot of these good junior players. Well, they need to play more NRL, Jai Arrow, etc. before you can even tell they're NRL players, let alone Origin players. So off the top of my head, saying five that'll give us trouble in the future... Your Munsters, uh, Ponga, if he lines up with them, Kafusi. I don't know about giving us trouble, but they're definitely origin-worthy. Uh, but as far as looking at the depth in those spots, spine spots are good. Outside back's not bad, but the big one, and I touched on it when we did our review, forwards. Forwards is the big one I'm looking at for New South Wales and Queensland, and uh, it doesn't look like they've got a whole lot coming in the forward stock. So hopefully for them, Jaden Sewer, Jai Arrow, Keegan Hipgrave, a lot of these guys from their 20s kind of setups and pushing through in the next year or two. Uh, become solid first graders and meet that rep standard because they're going to need a couple of forwards to compete with some of the troops that are uh, obviously available for the New South Wales forward pack. And um, What do we got here? One of the last ones, Sando. He says, Paris halves and three-quarter lines, so the centres and that, are so talented. Imagine how good they'd be if they had a legit pack to make space for them. Well, I agree with you there. In particular, Gutherson has to play fullback. Um, compared to French, so much better on kick return, more physical Pushes around the football. French is a fantastic finisher. He has instinct. There's still ways to get him involved off the wing without playing him at fullback. But I'd leave Gutherson there. Moses better defensively, and he will be under Arthur. Him and a lot of those guys, and there are no-nonsense players. Your Ma'us, your Browns, they're a very rough side. Parramatta, so he's going to be made accountable for his defense, and he's going to need to be more accountable because, to be honest, uh, Moses' defense in his career so far has been awful. And Corey Norman's just a place behind that, but... I agree with you 100%. As far as the, the, the forward pack is concerned, Brown's a leader. He's been outstanding. I think Morrell is solid, but he's still got a lot of improvement, needs to show a bit more. Um, and then looking at the stocks after that, you know, Men is solid. Uh, Edwards is okay, but he's got brain snaps, and Invarve's been okay. They could definitely do with another front row, and I think another strike back row. They've re-signed Morrell, but uh, I'm still not sure. I'm a big fan of him playing on the edge. He has enough impact in that role, but they need another prop, another decent prop to go along and help Brown. And Bo Scott injured on the weekend, also at the back end of his career. A couple of forwards definitely could make a difference at Parramatta going forward.
And then I think we got one more question here. Joey says, hey, boys, do you think the Dragons should go into the market for a fullback or trust in the likes of Dufty, uh, Jai Field, or Kurt Mann and Nightingale? Well, mate, I think money-wise, it's going to be pretty hard to delve into the market. Um, Matt Dufty, I watched come to the 20s, can score some tries. He's been outstanding. I haven't seen a whole lot of him playing for the cutters this year. They haven't been on TV a lot. And uh, even though I call the New South Wales Cup, I haven't seen a lot of their games. But I, th- I think he'd be similar to what Quinlan was. He He's probably a better ball runner. Uh, I don't know if he's as good a ball player, but the problem there, again, they just used to bomb Quinlan, manhandle him, kill the set start, strike field, definitely has the ball playing ability and is a dangerous runner, but like Dufty, again, quite light at the moment. He needs to put weight on. He could definitely be transitioned into a fullback, but weight, again, and size is the issue. Teams would do the same thing, bomb him, trap him, physically manhandle him. Nightingale does a solid job, but he's not a real great ball player and it's not a long-term answer for you. Uh, man, I think now the way they're playing could probably suit that role. Again, is the answer. I don't know. Out of all those options, I think field is probably the one I'd work on putting some size on, trying to transition him into that fullback role. But the one who's kind of been left out in all this and uh, is a bit of an unsung player in that is Tristan Saylor, Wendell's young bloke. He plays 20s. He plays as a 5'8". But he's only 18 years old. He has another year left in the under-20 system. He's about 83, 84 kilos. He plays wing, centre, fullback, 5'8", so he's fairly dynamic, but he's going to be a decent size. Uh, going off his dad and his physical size at the moment, he already weighs the same, if not uh, a kilo or two more than Field, Dufty, etc. So another year eligible for the 20s, I reckon they'll put him in cup. If they can build him up, and he's definitely got some toe, and the fact he's played on the halves, he could be someone physically who's better prepared for that role. Maybe not next year, maybe put him into cup, but... Um, if I was going to be working on someone, it would be internally. I'd be probably working on Field and Dufty to start with. But don't be surprised if Tristan Saylor, if he puts some weight on uh, during the preseason, if he kind of trains there and maybe has a look at playing that next year in Cup. But uh, as far as the market's concerned, I'm not too sure they'll be reaching out to buy somebody there. But that wraps up the fan questions. As I said before, uh, a bit of a different night tonight, uh, Brock. Had his football program, Kaizen, that he runs. So things are a bit late, but we are determined, as always, to deliver the content to you. So when he gets here, I'll be doing uh, our set of six questions, reviews of the short round from the weekend, but most importantly, Origin 2 game preview in depth. But for now, I'll move on to Mr. Gossip. We'll do the tips, the odds, and get all the dirt from him. And that's all brought to you by WilliamHill.com. If you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with William Hill. And he is back, the man of the people, the one who finds all the gossip. He'll find it in the bin. He'll find it in the mailbag. He'll do whatever he has to do. He'll even go through mailboxes of players if he needs to. It's Mr. Gossip. <laughs> Mate, how, what an introduction that was. A beauty. Oh, absolute gibberish. I'm on my own. I've lost the plot. Brock's not here. <laughs> it's one of those nights, mate, where things are all over the joint, and I'm very, I don't know, I'm just, I'm just hyped up. Yeah, she's pretty cool in Sydney, so a few drinks and... Um bit of gibberish, why not? Yep, that's the one. And we've both been suffering from good old man flu. So to any of the female oh. listeners out there, I apologise because we do a whinge that our flu is worse. But let me tell you, the man flu, it's, it's real. It is real. Yeah, I think I might be dying, to be honest. Uh, <laughs> yeah. My poor wife, I'm going to punish when I got the flu. But anyway, mate, old soldier on, we shall. Forced into the man cave, separated from the household and all the children. But, mate, what's in the gossip bag this week? I tell you what, got some juicy gossip here for Knights fans. So if you're a Knights fan, just pop the kettle on and turn the volume up. 
Um, we'll start with FKD, who I dismissed going to the Knights. I think everybody did, but it looks like he's back in. Um, a call from Politis to the chairman looks like it's changed things around, and FKD is back in, back in talks with the Knights. But it doesn't stop there. The Knights, I mean, as I mentioned last week, are also after Connor Watson. Um, and I'm also hearing Mitch Orbison as well, plus Moga. So there's quite a few on the Knights list. Um, I know we've been speaking for the past couple of weeks about the Knights and how they should go to England and pick up an England player. Well, it looks like they're in the money for Curtis Norton, who plays for Lee. His mum is in Australia, so he's desperate to come to Australia. I'm hearing he's already quit the club. So plenty happening in Newcastle. Well, there you go. And there are a couple of moves, again, that we've talked about uh, that probably will be more around the money they should have been. Tiato Moga has had a pretty solid year for a guy that had massive raps at the Roosters, then had some injuries, went to the Cowboys. Um, they could definitely do with the power outside back. Um, you know, Connor Watson was one that we talked about last week who might be talking to the club. Uh, any, any of these kind of guys, they're the kind of guys you need to get in. Guys that are young, got a bit of a future ahead of them, and they're obviously not going to pay overs for and and the Sean Kenny Dow deal again as much as people may think he's rocks and diamonds I'd agree but if you're going to get him for less given uh, what's just happened we've talked about this before as well that's the NRL that's That's business clubs will take a chance on a player like that if they can get them at a discounted rate because if anything goes wrong uh, they just get rid of him again yeah well said three months ago the Knights were desperate for SKD now SKD's desperate for them so Things change pretty quickly in rugby league. Exactly. Well, let's keep our fingers crossed that they may be able to get one or two of those across the line and add a bit of depth to their side. Yeah, Mitch Orbison's a funny one. I can't see him leaving the Roosters, surely, but um, we know the Knights are cashed up, and, um, yeah, they're going to get a few anyway. Yeah, I kind of agree with you. That one does surprise me, even from a Roosters point of view, because they they have a few going out and obviously got Tedesco coming in, but he seems like one of those guys that'll be a lifer uh, at the club and... He, he, he's never really signed a massive deal, I don't think, with the Chooks. I, I think it was the Dragons last time he was off contract made him a big offer to leave, and if he was ever going to do it, I think that may have been the time that he would have headed off. So uh, that that one, I, I don't think I can see that happening. Yeah, one of the most underrated players in the comp, Mitch Alberson, I think. Yeah, absolutely outstanding. Very versatile. Yeah. All right, mate, on to the Tigers. They, that, aren't they terrible? Aren't they got pumped by 60-odd in the lower grades as well. It is a shocking cut one in first grade, cut one in the lower grades. Doesn't get much better for him. The only player they're looking at signing, other than what they've already got, which is a heap, is Greg Eastwood, which I don't think is a very good signing at all. No, well, I wouldn't touch ten. Uh, I wouldn't touch uh, Greg Eastwood with a ten-foot pole if it was mine or yours. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Uh, back end of his career, he was good during his time, but that thing with forwards as they get a bit older, especially if you're going to play him on the edge or even in the middle there, just that little bit of leg speed, um, you know, that little bit of dynamic. Dynamic footwork. I don't think it's there anymore for Eastwood. He can still put a shot on, but even his minutes have gone down. And uh, I'm going to assume again, he only just signed a newer deal with the Bulldogs, so I doubt he's willing to take a pay cut to go to the Tigers. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. Another one that's uh, a bit strange, and I get a lot of uh, fans from Sandor Earl asking where he's going. Um, I thought that he'd be done and dusted, to be quite frank, but it looks like the Storm are keen on Sandor Earl. I would think that this would be just sort of a cash incentive, I don't know, match payments or something like that, because he's been out of the game quite a bit. But then again, the Storm, I love a journeyman. Oh, mate, 100%. Where they're built on journeyman. Again, I kind of look with you. I look at Curtis Scott, who played on the weekend, yes, Tonham Apia, exactly. who done a solid job, yep. all these kind of guys. So uh, if Sandor is going there, I'm sure it's a show of good faith by the club. And if anything, 
it would be a second tier deal or a train and trial deal. He would not be part of the top 25 in Melbourne, let's put it that way. No, that's, that's exactly right. Well, the Panthers, mate, we've let Hiku go and we've let Murray Martin go to the Cowboys for three years, so that's two gone. I'm hearing with that cash that the Panthers are going to secure Dylan Edwards and that should be announced next couple of weeks until 2020, a massive, massive signing for the Panthers. I'm a big fan of Dylan Edwards. 100%, and the other name that I heard and I was going to ask you about this week because uh, the Sharks mentioned him earlier in the year, but he's been playing so good. Is Corey Harawira Naira? A bit of that money. Uh, I think they're also keen to get him finally re-signed, and they weren't allowed to, from what I was hearing, because the integrity unit or the uh, cap auditors were waiting for some movement. So Hiku going out, who's been in poor form, uh, and obviously Tamari Martin, some circumstances there, and a bit of money. You couldn't lock up two more important guys. Edwards now, it looks like, with Moyler moving to six, will be the long-term fullback. And Harawira Naira has been absolutely outstanding on that right-hand side and needs to be kept by the club. So the sooner they get yeah, pen to paper, they can keep the Sharks away from him. 100%. I heard that Corey was pretty much over the line with the Panthers about three weeks ago, but, but you were right. The salary cap orders has stuck their fingers in, but uh, I, I don't think he's going to go anywhere. He'll stay at Penrith as well. So as you mentioned, two massive signings. And look, no, no real loss to Hiku. He's off to Warrington. That's a done deal with Warrington. Um, a couple of other NRL pages have said other teams, but he's definitely going to Warrington. Tomorrow, Martin obviously to the Cowboys. I don't know if he's going to be a successful successor to JT, but um, it'll be interesting to see how he goes. Yeah, well, I thought Labert was pretty solid uh, on the weekend without being outstanding, but looking at their junior careers, I think Tamari probably has a little more promise, but he's obviously going to have to wait another 12 months and learn from the great man. So, you know, only time will tell whether that one works out. But on the Penner side of things, we I've said it before, and you agreed with me and so did Box, I thought they had way too many outside backs on their books. So it was necessary that somebody who was taking up a big chunk moved on and uh, Hiku leaving at, at this point in time with the form and a couple of injuries and just his attitude, I don't think that's a real big loss for Penrith at this point. No, he's got the, the name of being a bit lazy, so he might fit in well with the UK boys. Yeah, he might be able to drink a little more often if he wants to midweek. Good times. <laughs> yeah, exactly. All right, I've got one here that this is very dirty gossip, um, but we'll, we'll mention it anyway. We're hearing that Ivan Cleary is in talks with Josh Dugan. Yes. We know he's already signed with the with the Sharks, but um, there was a little bit of talk that Cleary was trying to get him to backflip on that deal, which uh, is interesting. The mail isn't good, but it's gossip, so let's discuss it anyway. Well, well I think the only thing here is, is that cooling-off period. Like, I know they talked about uh, signing Josh Dugan, but is that all done, dusted, sealed up, um, cooling-off period finished, or is he still open? I believe it's finished, but... Yeah, that is a bit Mate, weird. Be interesting. He wouldn't be the first player to backflip on a deal. Fafita did the same to the Bullers a couple of years ago. Um, there's all these little clauses to get out. Contracts mean bugger all these days. But uh, look, I don't think it's going to happen, but we are getting a few snippets that um, Cleary is talking to Dukes. Yeah, well, I thought at the time uh, when he was still off contract it made a bit of sense, but now I'm looking at the picture as far as having Lola here Reynolds, Brooks, uh, they signed a couple of outside backs. Rona obviously had that cryptic tweet up and is possibly going there. They look a bit similar. I don't really know why you'd want to spend money on him when Lola here, Brooks, Reynolds, all those guys have to fit in the first place. But uh, the only reason I could think why would be if it was super bucks even bigger than what the Sharks gave. And, um, you know, the main, the main reason they got the deal over the line was the extra year and a little bit more money. But 
yeah, the Tigers would have to be offering crazy money, I think, to get in there. So I, I don't know if we'll see that one happening. Yeah, I, I don't like the back foot. Let's hope it doesn't happen. Yeah, right, no. Last one for the last one for the night, mate. And uh, Boxhead might have a little laugh at this one. Uh, uh, Johnny Cartwright looks like he's going to hook up back with Penrith, obviously as a coach and as a player. Um, interesting one there. He seems to be doing okay at Manly at the moment. He's also involved with New South Wales, but um, going back to where it all started for Cartwright. Yeah, well, when you look at it from the sense of Bryce and Jed both being there, uh, I can somewhat understand, but obviously that means it might be a reshuffle on the staff, I guess, of Anthony Griffin. But um, I kind of had the feeling, and, you know, obviously this may or may not happen, Bryce Cartwright, uh, you know, given his circumstance, his injuries and a few things that have happened and the players that have emerged since that Penrith may consider uh, moving him on. And if I thought, I thought if... Uncle John was there and, and Trent Barrett had a bit to do with it manly, that that might be a destination that would be possible. This is my own theory. This is nothing that's obviously confirmed or anything that would happen, but um, just given the play of Yo and Harawir and I and these guys and all that's happened with Bryce Cartwright, um, yeah, but if, if John went there, you can obviously see why. Jed and Bryce both being at the club, being a former Premiership winner, so yeah. Yeah, obviously the club um, rate Bryce Cartwright as a, as a fan. Um, he's hot and cold. His defence is, is questionable. So, as a fan, it wouldn't bother me too much if he did leave. But yeah, I, I think with with Johnny Cartwright going there, it might be the family club, and they might all get around him and pat him on the back and give him kisses and make him feel better and play football. Who knows? But uh, an interesting one, anyhow. Yeah, well, like I said, I, I, fingers crossed. All the potential in the world and a lot of good things. But after the occurrences of this year and a few more injuries, I thought. Possibly, uh, no guarantee that we might have heard some rumblings by the end of the season. But uh, if Johnny's yeah. down there, I dare say that him, Jed, Bryce are all going to be there together. Opens up a spot for Blocker to apply Manly. Get him Manly, Mick, get Manly. <laughs> get Angry Jeff back too. If he goes there. Angry right. Jeff, bring him back. <laughs> oh, outstanding. Well, if that's uh, all the gossip wrapped up, champion tips this week, we all got two. So not a whole lot changed, uh, you know, tipping in the dark. But Brock's on 70. I'm sitting here 69, very appropriately, maybe I add. Oh, uh, oh And uh, you're on 76, mate. Still got the whip and racing out in front, so. Beautiful. Not bad, but for this time of year, this is an absolute punish looking at this week. The, the origin effect, a seven-game round, who's going to back up? It's also on Monday, so we have absolutely no idea about who's playing. So we're literally just taking... If anyone wants to follow these and bet on them, give yourself a triple. <laughs> I'm just going to throw that out there. And due to an outage, thanks to Telstra, the sponsor of our competition, in uh, Mighty Penrith, I have no internet. So I wasn't able to get all the odds that I usually have, thanks to WilliamHill.com. So if you're going to have a bet on the NRL, make sure you do it with William Hill. But... I got uh, all the starting prices, luckily, before they shut my internet off. But first game, Friday night, it is the Warriors versus the Dogs. It is in New Zealand. Uh, Dogs are going to have three guys backing up with only a day's rest. So you'd have to think Warriors at home, unaffected, that they're going to get the job done in this one. Yeah, Warriors are never, ever a sure thing. Uh, you would think they're a sure thing, but uh, funnier things that happen. I'm going to sit the Warriors, but, I mean, that's only because they're at home. Yeah, mate, I'm with you 100% there. And uh, the odds for this one were the Warriors with William Hill, a dollar fifty favourite, the Dogs, two sixty, And obviously, like I said before, three players have to back up, go across seas with only a day's rest. I highly doubt that will be happening. So the Warriors, this is their game to lose by the looks of things. 
The second Friday night game is the Tigers and the Titans. Both these teams, origin affected. The Tigers with Tedesco and Woods. Uh, you've got the Titans there with Hayne, Peets, and, uh, you know, they've just got a swag of injuries. They had a couple of blokes get injured again on the weekend. They're already missing up to eight to nine players. So I'm having an absolute stab in the dark. I know the Tigers have been in a slump, but I get the feeling that this might finally be the game they get a victory. So I'm going to back them with absolutely zero confidence, zero faith, and no idea who's backing up and who's lining up. But the Titans are so depleted, and I don't know if all the players will back up that I'm going to back the uh, the Tigers. Yeah, I'm with you there, pal. I'm going to go the Tigers as well. Gold Coast, um, their goal line defence was woeful last round. Now I'm hearing some rumblings that players aren't happy with Neil Henry and yeah, a lot of a lot of mess up there at the Gold Coast, unfortunately, for that club. Um, I think it's just going to be downhill. Yeah, well, as Brock described it last week, and he's right, a lot of money spent, but it seems right now that there's a lot of lemons they've bought, so... Uh, not looking too good for Neil Henry or the club, and you'd have to think that their finals aspirations are dashed now with only four wins at this point in the season. So, Yeah, go on. Big chances uh, for a good season have gone down the drain, but with William Hill, the Tigers are the outsiders at $2.20, the Titans $1.67, and I dare say that that might turn around if uh, the, the lineups tomorrow have a few more blokes missing from the side after they lost three or four the other night, but... Saturday kicks off. It is the Cowboys against the Panthers. Four players involved for the Cowboys. Uh, it is at home, but it is still a short turnaround and a decent flight. Panthers completely unaffected. They're playing well. I'm still going to find it hard to take a whole lot out of this. I've been waiting for them to have a hard game, but while they're playing a decent side in the Cowboys, having four players on a short turnaround, I will be tipping the Panthers, but I still find it hard to draw a form line. Yeah, I'm going to tip the Panthers, and um, I hope uh, tomorrow, Martin gets named for the Cowboys. So there's one player in Penrith who I won't name because we'll love to just line him up and hash him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I think most people out there now have figured out that reference over uh, a certain yeah. period of time. The, the rumblings have got louder, in particular the last few weeks, as to what has gone on in the riff. So, yeah, interesting Perfect timing if he's, if he's named. Oh, well, that'll be very interesting to see. And they are the favourites with William Hill, the Cowboys still. They're $1.50, and this is probably my bet of the week, to be honest. Penrith completely unaffected, and after the buy, $2.60 with WilliamHill.com. So I'm going to be having a slice of that. I don't think... Yes, yeah, well, Thurston and the... I don't think he'll be backing up, and that's the main one, to be honest. Mm. So I'll definitely wow. be taking a chunk of the Penny Panthers. Second Saturday game, it is the Raiders versus the Broncos. Broncos, obviously, Oates, Thiday, not a part of... Uh, Origin this time, but still four other guys, I'm pretty sure, representing Canberra. Only Papali, but Boydie obviously missing after that last round. Been in a bit of a slump. They are at home, and it's time for the whips to start cracking. So I will be back in Canberra with zero faith. Uh, Honestly, if I was a smart man, I would tip the Broncos. But, um, you know, again, a couple of day turnaround in Canberra. Their season is slowly getting away from them. I'm going to take Canberra. Well, you hit the nail on the head. Canberra have to win. They don't win. They're in dire straits. They've just re-signed Ricky Stewart, so they're buzzing down there. They've got to win. If they don't, I won't say season over, but it's pretty bloody close. So I'm going to go to the Raiders because they have to win. 100%. And uh, I think if Brock was here, that he would agree. And the odds, Canberra, our favourite at home with William Hill, $1.65, 225 for the Broncos. Uh, interesting to see who backs up for them. But it's, it's Canberra season. Now that Parramatta have kicked on, now that Penrith are starting to roll, the bottom of that eight, it's getting further and further away. And even Penrith are still two wins out when you take the buys out of the equation. So uh, Canberra's season is definitely on life support. And the last game to wrap up Super Saturday should be a cracker, but 
to put this one on after Origin, much like the one last week between <laughs> Melbourne and the Cowboys, is silly. The Roosters against the Storm over in Adelaide. Uh, this one for me is, is quite easy, to be honest. I'm going to back the Roosters. They've both got five missing, but Melbourne with those older players, I don't see Smith or these couple of guys backing up, to be honest. Their young brigade goes pretty good, but uh, I think the Roosters have a bit better squad depth and a couple of guys there they can call on. So uh, I'd assume with the origin effect that they will probably be in better nick as far as their squad's concerned. Oh, mate, who does this scheduling, honestly? I mean, no one's going to want to fly to Adelaide and play there. And now Adelaide's AFL territory, so why not take a game there when the Stars aren't playing? Absolutely stupid. Well, mate... I'm gonna... <laughs> This uh, this Saturday lineup in general though Cowboys Panthers Raiders Broncos Roosters Melbourne if you would have got told at the start of the year those six sides were all you would think final sides would be playing around after Origin when every one of them's affected by it Penrith obviously not this year because things started off so slow you'd yeah. be giving yourself a triple that is a killer Super Saturday but we should be watching that outside of the Origin period yes I don't know who they engage from clubs or who puts it together or it's just Oh, no, it frustrates me get really cranky. I'm just going to pick the storm, right? Mate, I don't, know why. I don't blame you. I really don't blame you. I put the faith last week for our charity bet in my own wallet on the Cowboys, and I got burning golden points. So uh, that hurt. But as a Melbourne fan, very impressed by some of the young players. But the odds on this one, the Roosters are the outsiders, $2.10. Melbourne, $1.74. And, again, I'm only going off who I think will be missing. I get the feeling that a few more Roosters will back up. So... Uh, see what happens. Less, less to travel, but not by that much. Yeah, 100%. And uh, Sunday, the Dragons, who have hit a bit of a flat spot, they versus Newcastle. The possibility of their players backing up much more likely. Dugan in the centres, uh, obviously less uh, effect on a game as he does at fullback. And Frizzell only played a shorter stint in origin last time. Uh, DeBellin likely to be suspended, so that may hurt if those other guys don't back up. Newcastle, Dan Gagai, he's the only one who's affected. Uh, they are a young side. It's Vaughn's 100th. I'll be heading down this for this one, so I'm going to tip the Dragons purely off me going there and hoping they get the bloody job done. Yeah, uh, Vaughn, you can't not like him. What a, what a champion fella. But I'm tipping the Knights. I think the Knights will get him in an upset. Um, the Dragons really have been playing like bastards. I think it's five from seven now they've lost. Um, I think other teams have figured them out, as we were saying um, off air, but... Uh, yeah, I think the Knights will get him an upset. Well, I'll tell you what, if you want to confirm whether it's a slump or not, if you lose to Newcastle this week, St. George, that'll definitely be confirming <laughs> all your fans' worst fears. Let's put it that way. Uh, but yes. The odds on this one from WilliamHill.com, they are a $1.18 favourite. So value here for you, Gossip. Four eighty-five for the Knights, and I'm pretty sure the start before my internet got shut down because I live in Duriff was 13.5 points. So... There you go. Take the start, everybody. Take the start. Thirteen and a half on Newcastle at a dollar ninety-one. If you like, with WilliamHill.com. And the last one of the round, it is the Sharkies versus Manly. Uh, a bit more of a turnaround for the Sharks, who have a absolute swag of players in there. But again, this would be a cracker game given how they are going on the ladder. Unfortunately, during an Origin round, Manly they struggled last time in the absolute paddock that is Brookvale in the rain. But they've been better on the road this year. Um, I think the Sharks will be feeling the pinch, so I'm going to back Manly for the upset. Yeah, well, it's, uh, I'm going to go the Sharks. But uh, as I we was saying before, it's never easy to pick in the in a, in a, during origin time, so flip of the coin for me. Yeah, well, a long turnaround for those Sharkies players. So for them, hopefully, yeah. Holmes, Graham, Maloney, 
Fafita, etc. can all back up. Uh, saying they've got until Sunday, but Manly, there's only the one player. Uh, they've had the buyer. They've been in pretty good form, and yeah, their road record, I'm pretty sure, is still undefeated uh, at this point in time on the road, or maybe one loss, which is weird. Most of the time, much better at home, but yeah, they've had a, a real struggle this year at Brookvale, so have to see what happens there. The Sharks with William Hill are the favourites, uh, being at the prison. It's a dollar sixty manly, two thirty-five. So out of a few of the tips there, I think I'll have some money on a couple of outsiders this week, but see what happens. But the most important one, Origin game two, this week, New South Wales, Queensland, mate. We'll do the same thing we did last time. We'll pick a winner, the game score, first try to man of the match. So I'm going to go New South Wales fourteen ten. Uh, my first try scorer and man of the match, I'm going to go Tedesco to thrive in those wet conditions with our forward pack, hopefully doing the job for us. Well, I think it'll go to a third game. Um, the referees, they love a third game. So does the, so does the game, they love a third game. I think it's going to be 25-24. I reckon Thurston will kick the field goal and Queensland will go spastic and we'll have an absolutely fantastic third game. <laughs> Outstanding. So man of the match, you going, Joe, too? Yeah, JT, I think he's going to be all over it. I think we're going to realise how much they really did miss him in that first game, and he'll show why he's the best player in our game. He's outstanding. And what about a first try? Who's going to crash over for the first meeting? First, Yeah, first try scorer, I'll go uh, Joshy Dugan. There you go. Dugs. And the odds for that one with WilliamHill.com. New South Wales are a dollar sixty-four favourite. Queensland... $2.30, shorten in from the start. They were out to $2.60, but obviously Slater, a couple of these fresh-legged forwards who should have been there for game one, and JT returning has made a difference. The line is minus 3.5. 1-12 to 12 New South Wales is 265, 13 plus 375. Queensland, 1-12 is 320, 13 plus is $8. And the market I like is the unders because there hasn't been more than 22 points scored in the Dewey ANZ Stadium in the last five games, so... Uh, the unders is 32. It seems small, but at $1.90, I think I'm going to take New South Wales 1-12 to 12 into unders at 32. So uh, see what happens with the game. But, mate, your thoughts there, obviously, that Jonathan Thurston will make a difference. So clearly you think that forward pack and those changes will do enough, not necessarily beat New South Wales, but do enough to give space for him, Smith and Slater to have an effect on the game? Oh, absolutely. It's a different team. we got... Billy Slater and Jonathan Thurston, if those two players go into any side anywhere in the world, you know, they're a different side. Um, <clears throat> I think New South Wales, not to say that they'll be cocky, but um, the press has definitely given them a false sense of hope, I think. Um, as I said, different team, different game, different different field. We do we keep away from the sideline, fellas. Um, but uh, for some reason, I think there'll be a lot of points scored. Well... Let's hopefully it's dry. I think I had a look today for the same reason. It does look like it's going to be dry, but for some reason, teams really struggle to play some football. So let's hope it's not a penalty fest and a grub fest. Hopefully, yeah. very similar to game one, and they move the football around and give us a shout. But, well, I mean, I, and look, I, I hope New South Wales series, but um, I, I love a third game. I, I hate a dead rubber. So a bit of me will be happy if it is if it does go to a third game, I've got to say. Mate, I think plenty of people love the decider and the tension when you have to wait three more weeks. But as a New South Wales fan and just from the general heartbreak, I'm kind of hoping we, <laughs> we put an end to things and finally win a series early without having to get... Let's put it this way. If we go to a game three, Suncorp, Cronk's farewell, Thurston's last origin game, I think we're in big trouble. <laughs> That's true. Yeah, well said. All right, let's knock them off in game two then. Let's really... Then we'll just have to... 
we'll have to watch split round footy for no no reason than to watch a dead rubber. Yeah, that's <laughs> uh, fingers f- <laughs> finger, fingers crossed more than anything next year when we take back the TV schedule, the control uh, with this new deal that they fix up the scheduling and standalone can't be too far away. Surely it has to be considered. It has to be. I know we're flogging a dead horse, and we've, we've probably mentioned every year on the podcast that we've done it, but common sense surely has to prevail. I, I just couldn't see it happening in any other sport. I wouldn't see it in the AFL or you know, the NBA where fans would go and watch a game where all the stars are out and still charge the same prices. Mate, just, I, don't know. I agree 100%, and there's been a few photos over the weekend of some ticket prices, and no surprise that fans aren't going. No, it'd be like the F1 boy is having an all-star race and Lewis Hamilton racing at Monaco or something like that, where would people go? It's just... Yeah, it's absolute craziness. But fingers crossed, New South Wales can get the job done. And for you, mate, that the Penny Panthers continue their run back into the hunt for the top eight. But that wraps us up for this week. A big thanks to WilliamHill.com, who are part of this segment, our charity bet and all the odds from them. If you're going to have a bet on State of Origin or any of the NRL, you must do it with WilliamHill.com. And Gossip, enjoy your week, champion. Will do. Pleasure as always. Go the Penny Panthers. No worries, mate. Rip into those cold and flu tablets. Man flu. Like we said, it's a real thing. It's bad. And fight the good fight. I tell you what, they go good with a few cans of Budweiser, I'm telling you. Oh, self-medicating. Brilliant. (laughs) No worries, champion. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Talk to you next week, mate. And a late night, as I mentioned, but he's here. It's Boxhead. What's going on, champion? Not much, man. Not much. Late night, all right. Late night. We've all been suffering with man flu. Had gossip on earlier. I've had it during the week. You sound a bit nasally as well from being out in the cold. Yeah. Late night. Long day. You've got to love it. Got to love it. Towards the end of term at school, so the kids are starting to run me down, but they won't get the better of me. That's it. And uh, obviously coming from Kaizen, uh, the sports academy, you're halfway through that now, coaching? Halfway, yeah. We had our uh, positional specific night tonight, so yeah, it was good. Good night. So uh, yeah, five weeks down, five to go. Not good. that I'm counting, but uh, no, it's been it's been really good. It's um, constantly evolving and... Uh, more uh, more registrations in this academy, so onwards and upwards. Always busy with that, and uh, some players down there, Dylan had, Edwards, uh, Isaiah Yeo. We had Isaiah Yeo down there tonight, so um, he gives up his time for nothing and comes down and helps out, so... Mate, always good for them to be giving back. Well, like I said to everyone earlier, I've uh, done the questions solo. We've had Mr. Gossip on. We're doing this one late just for all you listeners out there because we want to make sure you have a day and a bit to listen to our Origin preview. But before we get to that, we'll quickly do a set of six after we review the games from the weekend, which will only be short as things are late. But Souths versus the Titans, mate, your mob, they're up 14-0. Uh, they ended up going down 36-20. to 20 And 
let's be honest, to start off the first 25, 30 minutes, everything stuck. Passes, they were rolling downfield. Uh, penalties, the bounce of the ball, even for that try for Proctor. But uh, 30th minute onwards, I thought everything swung when Hurrell, who was having an OK game, just completely lost his marbles and he never got them back. He never has an OK game. He always has those brain farts, but it's just whether he can do a couple of things to make everyone forget. I, I, I said it earlier in the year, I can't, I can't understand or fathom why we pay him so much money. He he was horrendous. He makes too many errors getting up to play the ball and makes too many poor defensive decisions, gives away penalties. He frustrates the shit out of me. But, yeah, it was, well, it was pretty much a reserve grade game, let's be honest. Um, the times were missing several through injury and then obviously the origin players out the Rabbitohs well they lost Sam Burgess I thought just before kickoff they were a better chance I certainly didn't think that they'd win um, and then when they bounced out to a 14-0 lead I couldn't couldn't believe how poor the Rabbitohs were playing it probably wasn't that the Titans were that good they just the Rabbitohs were awful uh, yeah awful they, they looked like they started the game asleep and then once they got some possession and they uh, their enthusiasm lifted they ran all over the Titans so I think it was 28-0 or 26-0 in the second half. So uh, it shows you what the game probably should have been if they started like that. But uh, frustratingly for Rabbitohs fans, they gave them a bit of a scare. But in the end, they got the chockies. Yeah, well, I agree with one thing you said. It was 26-0 second half, and uh, they did start rolling. But I thought the difference for them, again, was uh, a change in the, the rotation. They got Musgrove on with Charrington. I thought Musgrove in particular really started to just punch forward, do what the Burgess brothers should be doing. Uh, Tom and George, who have been struggling a fair bit. But uh, them, Terrell Fumano, I thought Walker, Sutton, they kind of broke out of their boring one-out shape. They started to shift a little bit early and move the football. But um, in the end, the highlight for them, I guess, and... For everybody, has been Angus Crichton. We've been saying it for weeks that him and Burgess are the only two that are having a go, but another tick in the box for him the other night. Three quality tries. He ran two nice lines, one back in under the, uh, the ruck, and then he had one where he kind of ran a nice overs line and got through a hole, and that third one is just that next level of back row. Not only being able to hit a hole, but just having that class to run 30 metres, beat three or four blokes, and crash over for a try. So things looking yeah, really that, positive. Yeah. Dog shit was a defence. It's terrible. Oh, it was terrible, but I'm even going to give some credit to the kid. And, uh, yeah, yeah, I get it. I get it. But the defence was awful. Yeah. As much as I hate saying it as well, I thought Robbie Farrar uh, had a pretty solid game. And the other one, I have to give a rap from your mob, one of the only ones I'll give a rap to, Pat Politoni. Um, he was injured at the start of the year. He obviously has had to wait maybe, I think it's been two years or so since he's played an NRL game and he's only played a handful. But I thought before he did his hamstring, he was definitely one of your better players. Yeah. It's uh, all in all. All in all, though, uh, season over, we already thought so, but it's definitely over now for the Titans. More injuries finished with no one on the bench and Souths. Uh, win or not, I can't take a whole lot out of that. Burgess, he will return. I'm not sure when, but I can't really take a whole lot of that out of that victory against the Titans. So I think they're two teams that will be missing the finals. Uh, moving on to the second game, Storm versus the Cowboys, 23-22. I actually thought this was a really good game of football. I only watched the replay yesterday because I got called into work. Um, so I wasn't sure quite what to expect. But, uh, you know, as a Melbourne fan, you're more worried about the future and moving on from those couple of players that we've had. We've had some outstanding players in our spine. But if that's a glimpse of what's to come, uh, there's some very positive signs early on. And I know the Cowboys were also under strength. But uh, in, you know, games two for Croft, Brandon Smith, uh, Curtis Scott, who's still only 19, and 
Munster linking up with them. There was a few flashes of brilliance, particularly uh, when they all linked up on the right-hand side of the field. Yeah, they were good. I, I thought both sides were good, considering how how depleted they both were. And we, we went over last week how uh, stupid it was for them to be playing. But all in all, it turned out to be a good game. I, I thought the Cowboys had it in the bag, and then Melbourne sort of ran through them and uh, scored, I think it was two quick tries, and took the lead and then the Cowboys again I thought Storm were Storm were home and the Cowboys evened it up late and then you probably would have had your money on the Cowboys going into Golden Point because it just felt like they had the momentum but um, yeah, the, the good thing I guess for Melbourne fans was that those uh, the younger boys were probably the better players on the field so it do, does give you a little bit of glimpse into the future and it is positive signs ahead 100%. And uh, if anyone needed to step up, he's had a quiet start to the year and we were missing troops. I thought it was Jesse Bromwich and he had a massive game the other night. Brandon Smith, though, was the real one who stood out. I know Croft did some good things and Munster was good as he always is. But Brandon Smith, as soon as he got subbed in for Slade Griffin, first play, line break, offload, stole the try. Uh, every pass he threw, I thought, was on the money. And that short one where he isolated, I think it was uh, Labe at the half or... Maybe it was Thompson and Felice Kafusi crashed over, much like they did last week with Braley. So um, seeing him in two games, scoring two tries and watching him come through the 20s, I was pretty excited when we bought him. I, I had a good idea of uh, what kind of player he was, but I'm uh, very impressed in his two games in the NRL and some positives there. But for the Cowboys, uh, I guess I was like you. I thought they'd close it out, especially Lachlan Coote and his attempt. I thought he didn't have to take it when he was under pressure in the end, but... Um, experience didn't pay off. He took a poor shot, gave Melbourne a seven-tackle set, and Brody Croft iced the game at the other end of the field. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a good good start. They didn't set up real well for that. So, yeah, not their best moment. And particularly, like, as you said, when you're giving away a seven-tackle set, not ideal. But but you live and learn, I guess. You, you live and learn. Cole yeah. Felt was actually directly behind the play of the ball, so I was shocked that it even went to um, Lachlan Coote. But anyway, yeah. history now, isn't it? Well, Kyle Labert, uh, solid debut, but went off injured. Uh, I thought Granville was the main one who controlled things, did a good job. Bolton, great with a broken nose. And the other one was Tamalolo, almost 300 metres, did a lot of little one percenters a lot of people didn't see. But um, for Melbourne fans, yeah, a, a bright look to the future, and Bromwich played very well as well. But second game on Saturday, uh, a lot of people, I heard good things about this. I was more impressed with the finish, but not the game overall. Sharks 24-22 over the Tigers. To be honest, the first 20 minutes was horrible. Um, so much drop ball. Penalties, Arva in his 100th game gets sent to the sin bin within the first 10 minutes. It was just an absolute shamble, to be honest. And uh, The two worst completion rates in the comps, but I think it tells you the difference in the quality of rosters when the Sharks have now won eight games from being behind at halftime. And, uh, they found a way to win again. I have no idea how the Tigers didn't close it out with an eight-point lead in the last 10 minutes. But uh, that run from Luke Lewis, the way they finished things off, and Daniel Mortimer, who hasn't played first grade in over a year, to put that kick in, it looked like he went the wrong way, but somehow squeezed that through and Bakuya dived on it, and they've done it again, the Sharks. Yeah, well, they've got out of jail on a fair few occasions, haven't they? But um, the, the, the Tigers just can't close a game out, can they? It's just un- unbelievable that... They lost from the position they were in. Um, yeah, it's probably a frust- frustrating game to watch from my perspective because I-, I thought the Tigers deserved to win. But, uh, again, you got to play for 80 minutes and get the job done over that length of time. And they just couldn't get it done, the Tigers. It's bad for their fans because they now have to find themselves on the bottom of the ladder. So, 
Uh, yeah, interesting interesting times ahead. I know there's a lot of changes going on at the club, but you would expect them to be going better than what they are. For the Sharkies, you know, they're obviously not playing great footy, but the positive is, as you said, they've been behind in eight, on eight occasions and one uh, managed to win those games. So they're winning while not playing well, and you know they're going to be thereabouts when the whips are cracking. So uh, it, it's an interesting sort of time for the Sharks. Probably key is just not not to get injuries, and they look like they're going to finish top four. So they're going to be a real danger to go back to back. Yeah, I'm speaking again. If you have the worst completion rate in the comp and you come in second, uh, you're doing pretty well. So very positive yeah, for them. It has been an issue for them all year, definitely. Yeah, and that's the thing. Once they start completing at a high percentage, if you've already got such a ridiculously good record due to their outstanding defence, they're only going to be better once they can hold the football. So um, yeah. some real positive signs there for Sharkies fans if they can correct that. Uh, Townsend done a good job. Gal, the one I really, really like, and I've mentioned him before, Kurt Catewell. I really like Kurt Catewell as a footballer. Back row, played in the centres, gets in, does some hard stuff, scored his first try. Uh, I, I just think he's a real genuine footballer, good football player, and um, on the Tiger, good, good, good player for the Sharks team. But uh, on the Tiger side of things, I thought the halves were okay. Finally, Sam Brooks and Lola here together, but their fifth tackle options are poor. Uh, Isan Masters, finally, my prayers have been answered. He's been given some game time. He jagged his first try, did some nice things, and uh, I know a lot of media outlets have decided the last couple of days that they'd find out who Matt Eisenhuth is because they suddenly care about the bloke. But uh, I played against him. He was a Parramatta junior, Australian schoolboy. He's had some bad injuries, spent some time at Penrith, and he even had a, a form of cancer that chewed at the bone in his leg, and he had to have some cement put in there. He was rewarded finally after uh, a lot of persistence with a first-grade debut on the weekend, and I thought he was absolutely outstanding. And uh, that pass he laid on for Elijah Taylor was a cracker. <laughs> yeah, a little little bit of uh, ball playing in the front row was good. Yeah, uh, and yeah, good on him. Good on him. It's that, it is, that is the positive of this time of the year that you know some of those no names that otherwise wouldn't get a run, I guess, get their little time in the sun and a chance to pick up a contract probably somewhere else uh, and get a little bit of exposure. So I guess from that point of view, it, it does. It is a bit of a positive, but outside of that, I can't think of any. Well, Ivan Cleary's obviously got to look at what he has because there's a lot of guys off contract. Eisenhuth, after all his injuries, he had a great junior career. I think he showed why he was an Australian schoolboy. Fingers crossed for him he stays healthy because uh, early signs were he was going to be an NRL player. He's taken the hard road, but he's finally got his chance. But for them, I think there's a few more guys. JJ Felice, Junior Totola, Watson Halida. There's not many left that I don't think are going to be staying around, but there's a few young guys there he has to have a look at because they still need to overhaul that roster. But um, one more thing out of that, sorry, is Elijah Taylor. I don't know if you saw the post game, but he made the error coming out of yardage, which led to the game winner. I just want to say what a positive it, it is to see somebody who cares so much. He was teary-eyed and absolutely filthy on himself um, for making that error. So uh, full credit to Elijah Taylor. He busts his ass every week, and he's a really good footballer. Uh, and the last one here, this one's quite straightforward to go through. The Dragons defeated by the Eels 24-10. to 10. Um, We said it before at the start of the year that they had a very simple game plan and it suited the way uh, their team was built up, and that's good coaching. But at the end of the day, that one-out power game, uh, line speed, being aggressive with your defense and winning, it wears you out, but it also at the same time, teams learn in the NRL. They take video, they work on it, and the last few weeks there's been a real conceited effort by teams to slow down their ruck and... On the back of that, uh, we've talked about McCrone and the halves playing well, but obviously uh, the momentum 
making his job easier, but now when they're under pressure, they're making poor options. And uh, he's uh, one of those blokes that when the pressure has been on, has made some poor decisions, and yesterday it's seen him get hooked. Like I watched that game, I was at the game yesterday and watching it live, like the difference in how easily the Eels moved the ball down the field and how fast they were able to play to how slow the Dragons played, uh, it was, you know, poles apart when you're watching it live. Um, I thought the game was not poorly refereed, but the referees could have done a better job cleaning it up. Uh, I thought Parramatta actually got the rough end of the stick. I thought the, the Dragons were standing offside and pushed the line in, in the play the ball a lot. Uh, and it could, the score could have been a lot more. Um, I don't know whether to push the panic button yet on the Dragons, but you know that's been three poor performances. They they just got away with one against the Tigers, and uh, since then they've lost to the Bulldogs and then got flogged by the Eagles. So uh, yeah, they, uh, no doubt they're in a bit of a rough patch. They've got obviously uh, Dugan and Frizzell out. So yeah, there are some concerns there. Parramatta were good, but I'm not sure. I think Parramatta are probably a fringe of the eight side. Uh, yeah, interesting times ahead. Yeah, well, like I said, I think their their ruck momentum's been slowed down. That's taken McInnes out of the game. It's put more pressure on the halves because they don't have as much time. Uh, a lot of poor fifth tackle options yesterday. And the other thing I said the last couple of weeks, pushing the pass, pushing the offload one too many instead of dying on a play and resetting. And yesterday they did the same thing again. So uh, they definitely need to find some more energy. But on the Parramatta side of things, they're just such a rough side. They're definitely moulded in the shape of their tough coach, which is Brad Arthur. They're so physical and none more so than Nathan Brown. I absolutely love the bloke. He's a nutcase. Clint Gutherson, we said he has to play fullback. I think we will prove right yesterday. French can still inject himself from the wing. Uh, it's harder for him on kick returns because he's not as big, but, you know, his football instinct, he can get involved. He can float around the football. The wing doesn't shut him out of the game completely, and uh, he made some pretty good plays off that side of the field. But uh, I just want to send my best wishes to Kayser Pritchard because that knee injury... Uh, the lateral corner, that is something that a lot of blokes, uh, it's basically, well, I'm not going to say it's impossible to come back from, but most physios and doctors would probably tell you that the way they redo uh, that ligament after a surgery would end your football career. So I don't want to say it's the end, but I'd be very, very surprised if we see Kayser Pritchard again. So that w- that was quite sad to see yesterday. No, it didn't look good. Um, yeah, it's, it's just wait and see what happens, but yeah, it didn't look good. Yeah, it's not the same as an ACL, and I don't want to be the one to cast dark shadows on it, but that's going to be a very hard one to come back from. So, Kaiser, out there, best wishes to you. And uh, the Dragons, I think we're getting a real idea of how they're going this week. Newcastle, uh, they're no easy beats. They've pushed every team, but they've had one or two flat games. But if we want a real idea of where the Dragons are at, if they can't get the job done this week, then I think it might be time to hit the panic button. All right, well, moving out of the game reviews, we'll quickly do a set of six. Uh, I've got six things here, or five, but the six tackle, we're just going to make that our origin preview, the one that everyone's been waiting for. But tackle one for me, the storm spine and just a glimpse into the future. Um, you can be a bit pessimistic as a fan and think, well, we've been treated to some absolute gems and they're not going to come again. But a look at Croft Smith and Munster. Uh, I was quite happy on the weekend. I think the big thing is when you free up some money, from those big guys moving on. The big challenge for Melbourne is going to be recruiting guys down there, especially in the forward pack, to make sure they can still lay a platform for that young spine to come, uh, spine to come in and be successful in the future. But I like the glimpse that I saw. Yeah, well, Craig Bellamy's got the formula. Um, you know, he's 
getting these players uh, off other clubs and is building it around that culture that they've got down at Melbourne. Uh, I, I think the key the key to their success moving forward into the future is going to be keeping him around. Um, yeah. The spine spine looks good. Munster, if you keep Munster there, you keep Croft there. You got Riley Jacks. You've got the other Smith there, the younger Smith. Then you're going to have Cronk hang around, and it looks like he's going to be the halves coach. You're going to have Smith hang around, no doubt. To me, I, I don't see a real dip. Obviously, those players may not be as good as Slater, Smith, Cronk, uh, etc. But who's to say that they won't have as much success? Yeah, um, it's mainly. Yeah, only time will tell, but tell me, tell me a, a team in the NRL that's got a better young spine. Exactly, and, and it, it may be at the end of next season, 2018-2019, until we see that whole spine come in. But I'm looking at Ado Carr, Suley, Curtis Scott's a gun schoolboy, so I think the backline stocks look pretty safe. Kafusi's got time left. Bromwich is there. Nelson, they reckon they're going to re-sign, but it's more just a couple more forwards along with Finucane for the bench and maybe one or two outside backs. But a lot of what I'm seeing there with that spine moving forward, as long as they have a solid forward pack, uh, I really think, much like yourself, the big piece is Craig Bellamy. And I don't know enough about his son, but I know he's there. And if he's anything in the mould of his old man and he's got another couple of years to go, um, if he's got the same principles and they can just carry things on, I'd have no qualm um, if he thinks he's the right man for the job for the Bellamy name to stay at Melbourne. Uh, tackle two, this is only a real quick one. It doesn't need to go into depth, but we've been talking about him for a few weeks. We've talked about him last year and the year before, given a glimpse when he got brought over. But Crichton, uh, I think the way he's been playing and just watching him again, I know it was a weak inside, but um, he's been playing up there with Burgess in a side that's been quite poor. And I think for somebody so young with so much ability, very raw bone, very big, uh, could play in the centres. He's quick enough. He's strong enough. He just ticks all the boxes. I think he's got rep play written all over him for the future. Totally agree. Uh, the way he's been playing this season, the way he's developing, it makes it really hard uh, but to see a, a rep future for him. Uh, and you know, they've got to make sure they keep a hold of him and, and get him on a long-term contract, that's for sure. Yeah, well, with the forward struggles they've had, particularly the twin front row of Burgesses, I think Sam Crichton are definitely two, and I think Terrell Fumano has obviously done a great job, but uh, maybe a few other blokes to come in with that core group and Musgrave, who seems to have woken up and... Hopefully they can turn things around, but and he's rare because he's so aggressive. A hundred percent. You don't find him that aggressive and raw anymore, but uh, he's definitely one out of the box. The other thing for back rowers, they're usually so structured and they all tick a certain amount of boxes. But I think the ability to finish—he doesn't just finish from hitting holes. That try he scored, uh, he beat a couple of blokes. He had footwork. He had some instinct to change direction and know the best way to get to the try line. So. Um, he, he ticks a hell of a lot of boxes, and the scary thing, he's only played rugby league for a couple of years, and I think he's 20, so um, big things hopefully to come. But tackle three, Clint Gutherson's rise. Uh, I've seen him as a junior at Manly. He was the Kangaroos and New South Wales fullback. Didn't mind him, but um, the path he's taken, the bad ACL injury, getting moved on from that gun Manly side, ends up powering a rough spot, gets moved around, but clearly he's off the field attitude and the person. He must be outstanding because Brad Arthur came out this year and said, He's the first person I pick every week. I absolutely love Clinton. Uh, in particular, that faith that's been shown this year has seen him explode in regardless of what position he plays on the field. And again, yesterday, just an absolutely outstanding performance. And uh, honestly, I, I wouldn't think I'd be saying this right now, but he's definitely one of the better players in the competition. He is. On form, he's right up there. 
Um, he's Parramatta's form player, and you know, I would never have thought I'd be saying that after the way that Corey Norman started the competition. Obviously, he, he's had his uh, injury struggles, but I think Gustafson's played multiple positions, multiple roles, and excelled in all of them. Uh, credit to him. His goal kicking as well is, is improved, and he's slotting them from everywhere. Good, good luck to him. <laughs> good luck to him. I mean, on form, uh, you know, I'm not to say that he get picked for Origin, but on form, if, if we were picking sides on form, he should be in line for an Origin Origin spot. Uh, it's not gonna, obviously not going to happen, but yeah. um, he couldn't be doing much more than what he's doing at club level. He's playing uh, tremendous football for the Eels, and, and he's won them probably a handful of games, off, even just off his own bat. So, incredible. And again, even more valuable now that he can play as a starting six, not just a fill-in six. He's done more than a quality job at six. He's got the quality to play fullback, wing, centre. He does every single job. So um, they've got a real rare talent on their hands and he's developed nicely. Tackle four uh, was more the point I made before. It was Pritchard and just thoughts there because, like I said, that injury, it's not something they can put back like the ACL. So I don't want to say that's the end, but... Um, we'll have to wait and see how that rehab works out for him in the surgery. But uh, he's had a rough run with some concussions, had his shoulder done early on. I think he did a peck. He's only a small bloke, but he's got plenty of heart. But hopefully that's not the end. No, exactly. Uh, sentiments again yeah. uh, with him, and hopefully it's not uh, it's not all uh, negative news. Uh, tackle five was the under-20s. The Sharks won 84-6, to setting the biggest score of all time. I think the previous one was 78 nil by the Panthers against the Titans maybe four or five years ago. But uh, just highlighting for any Sharkies fans out there, if you were worried about any players leaving after your premiership side or Bird and the Maloney rumours, etc., I wouldn't be too worried because two years ago I did the grand final day. They won the Harold Mats. They won the SG Ball. Uh, they've made the SG Ball final again this year with the team that pushed through for Mats and that SG Ball team that won two years prior. Most of the guys weren't even 18. They were 17, so... That crop is sitting there in the 20s right now, and they've got a real good chance to win that comp. And uh, the coach's son, Kyle Flanagan in the halves, is, is a hell of a player. There's a back rower, uh, Britton Nakora, who used to be a centre, who's a good footballer. Braley's brother in the same position at hooker. He's got the most try assists in the competition. Uh, they're absolutely loaded. And Jesse Ramian, his brother, played at Manly previously, centre winger. He's been in that 21-man squad for the NRL multiple times this year, so... Uh, good things coming through the Sharky system there. Yeah, exactly. But we're all Tigers. Uh, <laughs> I know. I know the coach of the twenties there, Chris Hutchinson. He'd be his hair would be on. Uh, well, it'd be on its last legs. You'd think as a coach after that, and they've got some shellackings this year. I'm not sure whether I'm, I'm positive it's not a coaching issue. It's it'd definitely be a uh, it's a player and a player depth issue there and. Maybe they just don't have the crop there that's just needed to compete. I think they were down 38-0 against the Dragons a couple of weeks ago at halftime. So there's been a few, um, I guess, warning signs there for the Tigers. But yeah. right under the Sharks. But uh, this is the reason why the 20s has just got to go because it, well, it doesn't have to go, but it can't be the um, it can't be the main feeder to the NRL because the disparity in some of the teams in terms of quality and depth is massive. Massive. I mean, the Sharks. Sharks are in a fortunate position in the fact that they've got good depth at the moment, and the Tigers don't. And I think probably in the long term, it's going to be the Tigers that will have better junior depth, just because that Campbelltown area, and they've got uh, the Balmain 
area, obviously, to feed through as well into that 20s. Those demographics are larger populations and probably bigger junior leagues. So I would have thought in the long run they're going to have, they're going to be fine, the Tigers, but they're similar to Penrith in that they need to really overhaul what they're doing there and making sure that they're keeping those players at the Tigers or at West um, and then having them feed through into their local NRL side and not go elsewhere. So, uh, well done to the Sharks. They're obviously doing a lot right, not only with their NRL side, but their uh, their juniors. And hopefully for the Tigers fans, Ivan Cleary can sort of nut out the pathways there and make sure that their sides are, are really up to it. Because it wasn't, wasn't that long ago that Balmain won the SG ball. Uh, I think they might have won it two years in a row or in the grand final two years in a row. Uh, I think it was a side that Matthew had coached and uh, yeah, I, I, there's not much more you can say about the way the Tigers are going. Well, I can uh, tell you how it's going. They're last in the NRL. They're last in New South Wales Cup, and I don't know about the 20s, but they'd be pretty close to last now that the Warriors have finally won a couple of games. So, so well, yeah, it's, there you go. The, the field doesn't lie. That's one thing. The, the field does not lie. So it is what it is for the uh, for the Tigers. Complete uh, rebuild. I'll tell you, yeah, they're, well, they're not they're not last. They've won three games. The Warriors have won two, so they're not far off last. They're second last. Yeah, so definitely in a very hard spot at the moment. The club, at the the Tigers there, but moving on to the most important part of this show. We've finally got to it. Almost 10 p.m. at the night, but we've got to give you what you want, and that is the Origin 2 preview. New South Wales versus Queensland. ANZ Stadium, Wednesday night. Uh, they've got a 1-0 lead after a very dominant performance. New South Wales up. In Queensland, they got the job done, 28-4, but obviously the changes that we'd called for, plus a few other guys returning in Thurston after his shoulder injury, uh, come back to club outstandingly, and Billy Slater at fullback, his form too irresistible, has seen seven changes made. So Oates, O'Neill, Milford, Guerra, Lilliman, Thiday, Miles are all out. Uh, on the New South Wales side of things, they are completely unchanged, but for Queensland... Slater goes in to fullback. Uh, they've reshuffled the back line, the right-hand side now. Sees Chambers play in his more natural position with Dane Gagai on the wing. On the left-hand side, Boyd, yeah, which is a bit of a weird one, but I think it can work. He's playing in the centres with Valentine Holmes on with his side. Thurston and Cronk back on the halves. Napa, Smith, Wallace, the new front row. Uh, Cooper starts in the back row on the left with Jonathan Thurston, which is natural. Gillette on the right with Cronk, Maguire at lock, and the bench much better. Morgan Papali, who does that job for them previously and does it for Australia. Hess there with him. And Glasby, who's copped some flack. But anyone who watches football or anyone that watches Melbourne would know that Smith would be the one particularly that would have wanted him he there. Hasn't, he hasn't copped flack. He, there was one bullshit article that came out. And I think I haven't heard anyone agree with the article. So it was just rubbish journalism. They, they must have been searching for a headline or searching for people to talk about it. But yeah, well, if Cameron Smith's saying pick you in the side, you must be doing something right. Hundred percent. Yeah, it's a non-event. Tim Glasby, it's, it was just a piss off for Queenslanders, and this is what shits me about the journalism in New South Wales. Like we can do anything to irritate Queensland and give them motivation uh, in a spot where they don't need any more motivation because they've got their asses handed to them in the first game, and they've got a handful of superstars coming back for the second game. So, well under whoever the Mick was that wrote that article, but stupidest article and most uh, ill educated and knowledgeable article I've read this year, but anyway, he's, he's going to go out there and do his job. He's certainly not going to be the reason why the Maroons get beaten this game, Tim Glasby, so 
uh, he'll go in there and do his job. He's younger, fitter, faster than Nate Miles, for example. Like if you said to me, can have Glasby or Nate Miles, I'll take Glasby every day of the week. So um, in that straight away is, is an improvement. Uh, but getting to the game, what do you think? I, I find it hard to forget what the Blues did in game one. But And then I look across and look at the, the Maroons team list and you see Slater first and Cronk Smith and go, well, phew. Good luck against them. But, I mean, we've got home field advantage. We're shooting to win the series. Uh, we had a dominant performance in game one, away from home. It's all pointing in our direction. And I'm going to tip New South Wales, but I do think, and I said it before game one, that I expected it to be close. I do expect, particularly the conditions and the way that this deck usually plays is usually a low-scoring game. So I think the Blues are winning a tight one. But the way that Billy Slater's been playing uh, and... The way that Thurston played against the Eels, I'm not totally convinced Thurston's going to be 100% fit, but he's going to be fit enough to get out there and do his best. Um, oh, it makes it tough. I can definitely see Queensland winning. I just, I just hope they don't, because it's going to be very tough for us to go up and win in Game 3, if that's the case. Well, Game 1, I obviously was super confident, and for all the reasons that I'm now really, really worried, which is immediately with the changes they've made, which in particular was getting some fresh legs in there and more dynamic and... Uh, better chance of defending the middle. I don't think they're better than us in the middle, but they've never been better than us in the middle. But the difference is they've been able to hold on, slow us down and make it competitive enough to bring that spine in that you mentioned. And that spine's been the reason why Australia and Queensland have been so dominant for the last decade. And uh, adding Slater back into that mix again solves one other problem. He's better at kick coverage than Darius Boyd. Um, He gets to kick so bloody good and our set finish is a piss poor. So immediately that puts them on the front foot. Uh, on top of that, you know, with having him there, we all, they also have a threat to the middle of the ruck and they have those forwards there to do a better job this time, which Darius Boyd doesn't do. He doesn't push around the ruck. You don't have to worry about him and he's got that natural connection with all those spine players. And um, the big thing with Thurston coming back in, not only is he dynamic on that left-hand side, he poses a massive, massive threat uh, to Josh Dugan, who I think does have some frailties defensively as a centre and Gavin Cooper naturally links with him, but he also brings in and ticks another box, which they didn't have in game one, which is kick pressure that we put on them. Not only did we bash their forwards, who are much slower, they only had Cooper Cronk as an option. They were constantly trapped in yardage. Milford didn't do any kicking, and Smith didn't have the choice to jump out. But Thurston, Cronk, two kicking options, more dynamic forwards, more leg speed, uh, better bench, better set starts. Every single little box that I thought we had advantage in in game one They've basically covered and ticked them all off to make it more competitive. And the big thing, again, like I said, their forward pack doesn't have to beat us, and I don't think they will. But this forward pack will at least hold on, make it competitive. You know they're going to try to slow things down. Um, I wouldn't kick to Tedesco. I wouldn't be looking. I'd be trying to wrestle, kick the ball out of play, and keep it at my own pace if I'm Queensland. And they only need to give small opportunities to that spine. And let's be honest, they've got better set finishes. They're better big moment players and there's a real chance they might upset us. And you're 100% right. If this goes to Queensland game three, Cronk, Thurston, Slater, Swan Song, we're in big trouble. Mm. Yeah. Hard to add any more. Uh, I... Yeah. Well, I sat there and I looked at it all. and The set starts are going to be important. I, I've got to say, I don't, like, I don't like Boyd in the centres and I don't like... Papali on the bench. They're two things that I don't like about the side they've named. That's just me. I think Papali was one of their best in game one. Uh, and to, to put him on the bench, I get why they're doing it, to add a bit of impact 
and just sort of even their side out, I guess. But yeah, they're keeping their middles flowing. Yeah, they're, they're weakening. They're weakening a strength. Uh, sorry, well, they're taking away their strength uh, and adding a weakness, in my opinion, and then building up a weakness with a strength from somewhere else. So I think you're just moving the problem. Uh, I would. Just, I think you just start with your best side and. You know, you just give your, your bench players the minimum amount of game time. I mean, it's worked for Craig Bellamy for 15 years. So yeah, well, I tend to, I tend to lean on that side of the argument. But you know, I get it from Kevin Walters' perspective, and the proof will be in the pudding in the end. You know, if they win the game, it won't have been an issue. But I just want to make sure that Papali gets at least 50 minutes in this game. Or if they do put him on, make sure he just finishes it from there. Oh, I think he'll be getting plenty of minutes. I think this situation would not have occurred if they had another front row, which they don't. And if it wasn't Jonathan Thurston and Gavin Cooper as that combination, anybody else on that left-hand side would not be put in before Papali. Because let's be honest, outside of Cordner and probably Gillette, Papali is either the second or if that third best back row in the competition. So um, I think this is the only exceptional situation with those two being at club and so close together on that left-hand side that they've decided they needed an extra player to um, come yeah, in. I, I, still, I still don't understand it. But anyway, yeah. we'll, we'll move on. I, Boyd in the centres is another one for me. He hasn't played there for donkey's years. I, I get that it, it's origin and whatever. I, I don't know. I'd play Gagai there and play him on the wing, but uh, I guess it's much of a muchness. They're both potential wingers, potential centres. So uh, I'll just be interested to see how he defends there is all. Well, I think then again, we've got Jared Hayne there. He can't defend either. So, as far as uh, kick return is concerned, I'm glad they've let. Or I'd say not glad as a New South Welshman, but I'd rather Gagai uh, in yardage work. He does a much better job than Boyd does. Holmes for a smaller man. As much as I thought Oates did his job, Holmes is outstanding. He has no fear. He rips the ball back, so I think he'll do a good job as well. But um, the main worry for me, from a New South Wales perspective, you said about Hayne. He got exposed, Maloney got exposed, and you put Thurston back in, Cronk, Slater, a couple of these forwards, they're going to get more opportunities this time to do what they really needed to do in game one, which is to try and isolate that edge of the field. And those guys are all grouped together. So I think the main man who here who's got his work cut out for him is Josh Jackson, who is the back row on that side of the field. He's a lockdown defender, but he's going to have a big job trying to help out Maloney and Hayne. Uh, and they're going to have Gagai, Chambers, Gillette and Cronk coming after him. So if those forwards can do enough of, of a job in the middle to get Smith involved in the game and generate some momentum so they can get out to that edge, I think Maloney and Hayne in particular are going to see a lot more traffic this time around. Yeah, yeah, find it hard to argue. Uh, I think, as you know, before in the set ends are going to be big. Uh, I think the refereeing is going to be big. Um, it's, it's, yeah, it's, it does worry me. I, the, the conditions worry me because I know it's going to be a close game. If it was in... Queensland, and it was game one, and the sides were, were like this. So you'd be a little bit more confident, I think, in New South Wales. But I, I actually think New South, what the ground at New South Wales at ANZ suits Queensland. It does. They're, they're going to want to do exactly what I was just about to say. They want to slow us down. Uh, you know, they want to make it ugly. They're going to push the ruck. There's no doubt about it. And on those kicks, yep. I'm not trying to keep the ball in play. I don't want Tedesco getting the football. I'm putting it out of play. I'm having a rest. I'm getting set starts as much as I can to try and contain our forward pack because I don't think they'll beat us there. But if they can compete like they have for the last decade, it's that class in the spine that has done us in so many times. And um, our set finishes have to be even better because, like I said, there's no one better in the history of the game or since I've been alive who starts, sets off, or covers kicks better than Billy Slater. If Mitchell, Pierce, and Maloney 
have poor fifth tackle options like they did game one. Billy Slater will eat them up, and their set starts are going to be so much better. Yeah. Um, and the other thing yeah. for us, I think we talked about this the other week. People have been talking about Fafita. You know he's going to be targeted. You know they're going to get after him. Uh, Melbourne showed the blueprint to that the other week. They frustrated him, got tied up, and I think there's a big emphasis in this game on the power Walker Woods to make a bigger impact. Clemmer, when he comes off the bench, Frizzell, all these guys are going to have to chip in and help out for feeder because this slow, wet track um, and this whole style of game, we're going to be trying to do the complete opposite thing. We're going to want to play up-tempo, error-free, keep the ball in play and get Tedesco involved through second th- phase through the middle of the field. They're going to be trying to slow it down, make it ugly, get the football out and just keep everything from set start. So complete contrast to game plans and um, the conditions you're right for the first time in a long time. New South Wales, I don't think, have the advantage in New South Wales. This definitely suits Queensland at the ANZ Stadium. Yeah, well, let's see how the game plays out. But oh, it's going to be a hell of a lot closer. That's, that's one thing I think we could all agree on. I'm just hoping that we, we can get the result and wrap the series up because uh, you're almost bucklisting them to go up there and win game three. Let's face it, we have a one at a sider up there in, I think, since 2005. Maybe oh. and I'm clutching at straws there, but it's um, it's, it's, it's been, a, been a very very long time. So uh, I've been to throw, I've been to three of them, and we lost all of them. So I'll keep it plain um, and simple. It goes to game three, Queensland, all their icons retiring from this dominant side. Like I said before, Thurston, Slater, Cronk finished in Origin. We're not winning. Um, if it goes back to Queensland, I'm, I don't. We don't even need to do a preview. That series over, as far as I'm concerned, because they. They haven't needed much motivation before to get up for it, but if they're going to send out those three big yeah. guns in the spine, I think they'll do us in if it goes game three up there. I don't reckon it's that cut and dry because I think we've got... We now have a side that can compete with them, I think. Man for man can compete with them, but you add in all the motivation and the home crowd and all that sort of stuff, it makes it's going to make it very, very difficult. Like I'd give us probably a 20%, 25% chance of winning up there, whereas I think, look, I, I think we're probably a 60% chance of winning this game, so uh, it's, yeah, it's all on. The, the, the pressure's on. 100%. So. Uh, like I said, those main little points, we're going to try to play opposite games. If I'm them, it's big about slowing down, get the ball out of play, and definitely go after Maloney and Hayne yeah, on that side of the, the field. Uh, for us, up-tempo, fast, same as last time, but set finishes have to be so much better. Um, error-free football, and you got to test out Jonathan Thurston. you got to test out Darius Boyd, so... They're going to have to make sure his defensive decisions are good. And as much as I'm not a fan of it in this arena, they're going to have to get really physical and rough with Jonathan Thurston and test that shoulder out and make yeah, sure and Smith... Holmes, I think I'd... Well, has played for Australia, obviously, but I, I, I question his selection. I don't think Corey Oates did that much wrong in, in the first game. I, I don't think Corey Oates did enough wrong to be dropped, put it that way. So Holmes is going to have to really justify his selection. I'd be putting a bit of pressure on him kicking to him and getting physical with him because he's not a big body and it's going to be difficult for him to make metres on a wet track, a slippery track. So I'm not saying Holmes is going to go out there and have a, have a Barry Crocker. He's, he's won a compies play for Australia. I just There is a little bit of pressure on him and it's going to be difficult for him to have uh, an impact. So if he does on this game, he's, he's really going to have to play well. Uh, I, I almost would have carried Oates. And then if, you, if you're looking forward to the future and saying, well, Holmes is going to be doing it next year, pick him for... Game three, if Queensland happened to lose this one, but Kevy Walters has pushed all the chips into the middle. That's for sure. But yeah, well, let's let's see how she goes. Right, look, I think the, re- the referees are going to be put under a hell of a lot of pressure in this game because oh. 
Big time. There's absolutely no doubt the Queensland are just going to push that envelope all, all night. They'll stand offside. They'll hand on the ball. They'll slow the ruck down. They'll, you know, hit people late. They're going to they're going to do everything they can to sort of get New South Wales out of rhythm. rhythm. So, uh, and again, you, you know that the kicking game for New South Wales is huge. You know what we're going to get out of Queensland. They're going to get repeat sets. The kicking game isn't going to be the reason why they get beat. Um, like it was in game one because they're now they've now got that two kick option back. And I just think they've got more points in them. You throw Thurston back into the halves and then you throw Billy Slater, a guy who's got multiple tries this, this year in big moments in big games. Look at what he did against Cronulla in the 73rd minute. He, he's the one that created the try for the Storm. So Yeah, and a middle threat. a lot more points of attack. And, but again, I, I just look at the middle and I think we can win in the middle. Uh, they've got a lot of debutants. I think we're going to target their debutants and really bash them and get after them and intimidate them. Uh, just like Queensland's done to our debutantes over the last 10 years. And I, I look up, I, I think if we can just win the middle, we'll be okay and get our kicking game, you know, 50% to 60% right. We're, we're going to have enough points in us to squeak this one out. But if we drop ball and give away penalties and, uh, you know, don't have that same impact through the middle of the field, then look out because Queensland will come and get us for sure. Well, in closing things, uh, we did what we did last time which is winner, scoreline, try, and man of the match. Gossip, he went Queensland 25-24, a fair few points for being at ANZ. Uh, his first try scorer was Josh Dugan. His man of the match was Thurston, so he thinks Queensland will uh, take it back to a decider. I have New South Wales 14-10, first try scorer and man of the match. I have both as Tedesco. I've seen him play at that ground multiple times. He's one of the only guys who I think will really thrive in those conditions, and I think he's going to be really important for us, but... Boxhead, what do you got? Um, I'm going to go. I'm going to go New South Wales to win uh, 17-16. And what have I got to do? First try scorer. Yep. And a man of the match. First try scorer. I'll go Brett Morris first try scorer. So Morris for the meaty. And who's your MOM? And I'll say uh, Boy Corner will win man of the match. All right, well, we've all got some different options there and just a few little small things heading into this one. The last four road winners in the first up game, so obviously New South Wales visiting Queensland, uh, they've gone on to win this series if they go to play at home in game two. But Queensland, they are three from four in live series games as far as coming down and playing at New South Wales. And out of the last eight games at uh, ANZ Stadium, 32 or less points has been scored in the last five in particular. There's been 22 or less. So it just shows the difference in conditions playing at ANZ Stadium. Yeah, exactly. But the odds for well, this one... I'd have, I'd have said 33 total points, so I'm bang on. Uh, hopefully I'm 17-16. Pick the score, get on. Yeah, well, I did the build a bet with WilliamHill.com again where you can put your own bet in. I have New South Wales 1-12, to uh, half-time full-time, and I took us for the game total under 32.5 and Tedesco to score. I think it's paying like $13. So uh, if you want to check that out, williamhill.com.au, you can build your own bet, you submit it. And is, there, uh, is there any other options you'd like to throw in there to try to make yourself to lose? Yep, or? good times. You're out of control. I love it. But uh, those odds, like we said, with williamhill.com, if you're going to have a bet on the NRL or any sport, make sure you do it with William Hill and New South Wales are the favourites with William Hill. $1.64, Queensland, $2.30. The unders for the total game is 32. Uh, the line for that game, minus 3.5. New South Wales, 1-12, 265, 13 plus, 375. 
Queensland 1 to 12, 320, uh, which is probably the one I'd be looking at if you're going to go Queensland. And uh, 13 plus, $8. Our man of the match selections Tedesco, Thurston, Smith, Fafita, they're all the favourites at $8. Slater at 11, Pierce at 7, Cordner at 9, Gillette 21. Gavin Cooper, a roughy I thought, playing outside. JT, if he could jag a try or do something in those conditions, $51. Uh, and James Maloney, he's uh, paying... 50, is that for man of the match or first try? $51 for Cooper for man of the match. If you want him for first oh. try, and I've got him here for that exact reason, playing outside JT, $21. Um, Tedesco, my one, he's at 10s. Dugan for gossip at 15 Cordner, who's always good for that kind of thing. And Gillette, uh, 17 26 Cronk. He slid through a few times in New South Wales, throwing that dummy. He's 23. Uh, Billy Slater, $13. And on debut, Valentine Holmes at $11 with WilliamHill.com as far as first tries, scorers are concerned. So all those odds brought to you by WilliamHill.com if you want to have a look at any markets for New South Wales versus Queensland. Game two, and uh, we'll be heading there, box head, Wednesday night. We will, mate. That's why we get our memberships. So we'll be there and... Uh, can't wait, can't wait, man. I, I love Origin. I just hate that it's on a Wednesday. Otherwise, we could get on a soup and go a bit crazy. But no, I've got a big day at work on Thursday, and unfortunately, I won't be. Uh, I won't be ripping into the Amber Ale. But I'm also in full-on training for a couple of runs coming up, culminating with the City to Surf. So doing a bit of training, trying to stay off the uh, off the skinners. Yeah, well, I've uh, had, a, had a few decent weeks myself, but I think it's time to also slow down and work 5am the day after, so I'm with you, but also looking yeah, forward. Yeah, unfortunate, unfortunate. We, we always have a good night, we'll, uh, we'll get there and uh, watch the game and chat about it, no doubt, on the way there and on the way home, so uh, it's always a good night, good good to get to the games with uh, just me and you, rolling rolling with our, uh, with my brother it's always good fun so uh, I'm looking forward to uh, Wednesday night a couple of days work obviously to rip through before then but um, that'll be good that's why we get them for Origin and Grand Finals and events uh, outside of that but the, pretty pretty much if you bought a ticket to where we sit uh, for those two or three games you'd be paying what we pay in membership anyway so the rest of it's just a bonus isn't it but uh, yeah good tickets and uh, we'll have good seats and Hopefully it's a good game of footy. 100%. We'll do what we always do. We'll be there for the kickoff for the New South Wales under-18s versus Queensland at 5.30 when the gates open. So uh, always yeah. good to get a good look at some of the young blokes coming through. We'll chuck our sports ears in, ignore the drunks around us and watch the big game. And uh, we'll get a match uh, review the day after, if possible, depending on uh, how our week's going. We'll try and get a review out there for all your listeners and give you something to bite into the day after the game. But I think, mate, charity bet is the last thing. Uh, I've got one I like, whether you agree or not, different story, but I think New South Wales... Yep, and under 32, I reckon. We're gonna, I think we just go one leg. We need to just make sure we get one. Well, one to 12, 265, I think we get on that at least straight away then. Oh, so what is it, what is it in a multi? Uh, there's actual options for margin and under. I think the... One to twelve and the thirty under thirty two was like four forty or something like that. Oh, we can do that. Let's just do it. If you want to go one to twelve, I think that's two sixty five. Add with WilliamHill dot com. Yeah, hang on a second. I'll have a look here. What do we get? Origin game two. Yeah, one to twelve, two sixty five. So if we had our uh, one hundred and fifty bonus bet on that, 
it gets us 250 into the kicker. Or... Well, I think, I think you may be right. We just need to get some wins. We keep losing in Golden Point. We've lost three this year in Golden Point, so maybe just go the 1-12 to 12 straight out. Well, if we go under, throw that into it. You pick it as an actual option, I think, on the website when I looked before. I think it was about 440 for both of them. Okay. So it, it depends. Oh, yeah. But uh, you're right. We definitely need to get some money in the kicker. We've lost three games in Golden Point. So there's a few big wins that have gone begging. That's a, that's a kick right to the beans. Trying to get the funds going for the Great Walk Foundation. And uh, we had a great day on Friday hosting a luncheon that we emceed, interviewing... Wendell Saylor and MG for the Great Walk raised, I think, close to 30 grand on the day and uh, they cracked the million-dollar mark, a great charity in the Penrith, Hawkesbury and Blue Mountains region, raising funds for local charities, hospitals, things that need funding and uh, equipment. It was a great day had by all and hopefully we win some more money with our charity account with WilliamHill.com to donate at the end of the year for the Great Walk Foundation. Yeah, we got a we got a sponsor jump on board there that... Uh, we auctioned off a, a, an advertisement, so Richmond Residential would probably give them a shout out. They uh, they made a significant bet, uh, or bet. They made a significant uh, bid. I meant to say uh, to, to get onto the podcast until the uh, the end of next season. So good on Richmond Res- Residential for jumping on board, and we'll we'll tee up some live reads and pump them out through social media. But make sure you support them uh, in any way you can, guys, because they threw in a lot of money for uh, charity. Yeah. Uh, which was was good to see for the Great Walk Foundation. And that's probably the main thing to highlight again. We try not to have too many ads on the show, but the money's not for us. We're not getting any kickbacks. This was purely for charity. They've bought the ad for that purpose, so we will support Richmond Residential. They do home loans, restructuring, uh, refinancing, investments, all things like this. They're Bella Vista-based. They're a great company, so good on them for supporting the Great Walk Foundation. But, mate... That wraps us up. And for everybody out there, don't say we don't love yous because it's almost 11 p.m. and I've still got to upload this bad boy with a 5 a.m. start tomorrow. So the fifth and, and I'm still in the footy gear and I still haven't eaten dinner. So that's that's right. Go. The fifth and last boys, Rory's here for you. So make sure you hop on iTunes, rate, review us. If you've got any questions, you've got any feedback for the show, Lewis and Brock, we're always open to it. Send us an inbox. Sit us up on Twitter. Most importantly, though, enjoy the state of origin. Enjoy your week and enjoy your rugby league. Bring it on, give us more, give us more. Where are you going? Where, what, 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 what's going on here? Is that it? Is that it? Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.